0: If you're an average player, you want to be left alone, because you want to be able to slide by. If you're a good player, you want to be coached. If you're a great player, you want to coach and tell you the truth every day. Did I hustle on that play? Did I make the right read? Did I play the guy with the right leverage? You want to know every play, because you know why? They want to be perfect. Everybody here makes a choice
1: to do one of those three things.
2: Welcome to the Goat Consulting Podcast, a podcast dedicated to people striving to be a goat, the greatest of all time, serving it up in a way that you can get it in all stages of life. Hey, I'm Colby Jubinville, and welcome to another episode of the Goat Consulting Podcast right here in studio in VC Productions in Nashville, Tennessee. we got a great show for you today, all the way from Moab, Utah, our good friend. We feel like we've had you on the show before. I kind of feel a deja vu moment. <laughs> yes, Faith Dickey. Faith Dickey is a professional highliner. Uh, she's the founder of Elevate Outdoors. You can check that out at Elevate Outdoors Guiding, where now you found your new purpose in life and your new passion, teaching instruction. But before we do that, th- we're, we're glad you're here today, and we're excited to talk to you. But John yes. Byers is always here with me at the table. This is the Goat Consulting Podcast. We serve it up in a way that you can get it. We're like Waffle House. It's so John, you always find the coolest guests. You somehow have done it again uh yes. faith we're glad you're here with us today certainly has unique perspective unique education unique experience and she's not even close to 50 and she's found what <laughs> she really wants which is the uh the elevate outdoors guiding teaching coaching and the new passion that you found in helping others so thank you for today
3: and thanks to russell stroud oh good. how friend. can i forget lighten up the world.
2: rws services uh he's out probably working today and and um if anybody needs passion and purpose, and brings passion and purpose to the workforce, our friend Russ, absolutely.
3: Faith, so great to have you. A lot has changed since the last time that we've we've chatted, uh, which wasn't that long ago. But you are a few days closer to being fifty than you were the that's last right. time. The last yeah. time that we talked,
1: that's true. You,
3: you had a birthday on February 9th. Happy birthday! Vegas is never Thank the you. same again based on what that's you've told us not, it's not at all so happy birthday you you have experience an all you can eat buffet which had not happened the last time that we talked so that's pretty special as well what
0: what more could you ask for turning 34? i mean you know
3: Absolutely. in the
2: south you experience that by the time you're two so
3: way to go for that that's yeah. that's good it's a true story. Uh, you've had a short film released. Hopefully, we'll talk more about that as we get into the com- conversation. You have started, at least announced, that you've started two businesses, so we can't wait to share, uh, learn more, hear you share about those things, but let me just tell our audience a few things about why it makes sense, and I'm not sure, I'm going to go out there and say this. I'm not sure anybody has belonged on our show more than you have. And, and wow. we are coming up, we're about to have our 100th episode hit, lots of super cool guests, certainly some goats on the show, uh, but we've only had a couple of guests that we would also consider goats. You certainly fall into that category and have learned about you for some time. Uh, as the first woman to cross a high line over 100 meters back in t- uh, 2014, you uh, did just before that the longest free solo in 2012 in Czech Republic, right? And you own, what, every world record that there could be held for somebody like you uh, for about six years along the way, still some today. What's that look like?
0: Um, I would say there's a lot of obscure world records I still hold, but nobody's <laughs> Me <too>. really counting.
3: <laughs> Me too. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's the um, one you yeah. really count.
0: I was, uh, I was unchallenged for, for six years as the best female slackliner and highliner in the world, which was Really cool and very humbling, to be honest, because it definitely wasn't what I set out to do when I started the sport.
2: What did you set out to do?
0: I set out to walk one damn Highline, yeah. honestly. That yeah. was the only thing I wanted to do.
2: Was that
3: was the like, one in I the just chat? I
0: walked one. Um, my first Highline I walked was in Poland, actually. Okay. Um, yeah. So 2009 is when I started highlining, and I was already a slackliner, so I was already walking slack lines between trees, low to the ground, like a normal person. <laughs> and uh, I went to Europe to travel, and through a series of uh, fortunate and unfortunate events, I ended up in Poland um, with some some people highlining. And I had already tried a few highlines and failed at all of them. And so when I first started, I was like, "Okay, I just have to walk one highline. Like, hmm. I'm terrible at this. I'm not cut out for it. Clearly, this is not my path in life. But if I can just cross one, I can walk away." And um, yeah, considering that I'm now that. on your podcast as a professional highliner, walking away didn't yeah. really happen.
3: Yeah, you said it. And I want, I want you. I'm going to say this, and I'd like for you to tell the audience about a highline because many folks as I tell them about my good friend Faith Dickey now and I have to tell them what a highline is but you said this and it and it came up for me as you were sharing your story just now you said I wanted to accomplish things for myself and on accident set world records <laughs> like I've never and nor likely will I ever say that in my life so I think that's really super cool <laughs> Give our audience an idea of a, what a highline is. Some might hear when that comes out like tightrope or think that way, but it's totally different. Maybe you could share a little about that.
2: And it also sounds like to me that John needs to be your first client at Elevate Outdoors Guiding. Speaking that way, talking that he's I, not going to. I
0: agree, one hundred percent. I can see actually both of you on a highline. <laughs> <Yes. laughs>
1: well,
2: well there will be one, and it will not be me. Well I can, I
0: You'd sure be surprised. Be You'd be surprised what you're capable of. I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> You can bring your son out. I I'm not that thinking about me. Things. I'm
2: thinking about that rope. I mean, you know.
0: <laughs> they can they can pull a car. Don't worry. Okay. They're strong. strong. All
2: right.
1: Strong.
0: All, right. Um, all right. So a little backstory: what highlining is. So um, just to start from the very beginning, slacklining is a balanced sport where you stretch a flat woven band between two points and you walk on it and mm-hmm. you balance. Um, it is the sister sport of tightrope walking. Meaning that, yeah, it's a very similar activity. You're balancing on a rope. So, so to speak, the difference with slacklining is that it was developed by rock climbers using rock climbing gear, which is like these flat ropes that are stretchy and they used for slings for various things.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And they started doing it on rest days in Yosemite Valley. Um, you know, they were taking a break from climbing. They were like, this sounds fun. Let's throw this line up between trees and balance on it. Some people got really into it, yeah. perhaps more into it than they were into climbing. Mm. Oh. And the evolution of that was hey, what if we take this same line we're walking on, the slack line, and put it way up high on a spire to a rock wall and let's see if we can walk it 4,000 feet off the ground. And so that was the birth of highlining. Um, And so highlining really is slacklining up high. There's nothing different about it. Right. Um, there's no exact parameters to describe what a highline is but we often say if you were to fall off a high line and hit the ground if you're more likely to die than survive it's probably a highline
1: <laughs> <Yes.
3: laughs> I think that's, I think the story that's true Yeah. I've done. there's also something fascinating and in, in, um, round out what I'm gonna say here but in in a slack line or highline it uh, you The very center of of the two points in which it's tied, it actually droops down. And so then as you get towards the end of the line, you, in some cases, are walking up like a 30-degree angle. Very different than, and I would imagine, much more challenging than a tightrope scenario. Not that I've done both or can speak to that, but I would make that up.
0: No, that's a very astute description, actually. Um, A slack line and a high line is slack. So there is some tension in the line. And actually, over the course of the sport, we used to tighten lines a lot more. And then people started to realize that they were actually a bit easier to walk when they were looser because they were slower. And so the reverb in the line from shaking the line as you walk would be slower and more manageable if the line was looser. But when you stretch a line between two points, no matter what the distance is, 100 feet or 1,000 feet, ultimately the middle of the line is the loosest point. Mm. So if you're looking at a high line from the side, it almost creates a kind of smiley face or a V shape. And oftentimes the end of the line is the most challenging because it's an incline Mm. because your weight is bending the slack line down and then you're walking up to the cliff or whatever rock it's attached to. And so we often call that the heartbreak zone that like last 20, 30, 40 yeah, feet yeah. because it's the hardest physically, but also the hardest mentally. Like you The you're last 10% there.
3: of anything is typically the hardest and yes. it's true there. How important is the tension in anything? the line?
0: I would say, I would say tension is a variable. Um, it depends a lot on people's preference. Um, these days people will add tension to lines to make them really bouncy so they can do tricks on the high line. Mm. Um, also in the old days, when I started, we would tension lines as tight as we could because we thought that made them easier. Um, but then actually it made it harder. Um, now I know this looking back, um, because the reverb was so powerful. I mean, the, the hundred meter line I crossed, which I was the first woman to cross had over a ton of tension in it which is just insane. Wow. I mean there was almost no sag in the middle. So that mm. kind of V shape we just discussed was practically non-existent. And at the time we all thought well, that's how you make it easier. But we we're actually making it harder and it was really testing all the equipment by putting it at such a high force. Oh wow. And so currently in highlining you generally want to tension the line enough so that the incline on the ends isn't insane but you want it loose enough that the sway is kind of slow.
3: So here's a teaser for our audience about this whole conversation that we're going to have with faith. And I've shared this with several folks in the conversations that we have had. I don't think we've had a guest where we your profession isn't necessarily... You are a business owner, so I am 100% not wanting to diminish that. But your profession is um if i can try to articulate this well is not necessarily a business minded lead like you're not leading with a business and yet this conversation the conversations that we have had there ha- there have been more business applications life applications as everything that you talk about and i you you have to do it intentionally But everything in the conversations that we have had, I can apply to life, business, and relationships, probably more so, certainly more so than any conversation anyone we've had on the show. Is that intentional?
0: It's not intentional.
3: Hmm. You know,
0: I started highlining when I was 20 years old, and it was through the course of the sport that I learned so many really invaluable anecdotes that I could apply to everyday life. And I, I still use those lessons that I learned from the sport to coach myself. So for example, I'm, you know, launching this guiding business right now. And it's very much related to these athletic skills that I have. But at the same time, there's the business component of it. I'm gonna run a business. Absolutely. I'm I'm hoping to be profitable. And so there's all these aspects of it that are business, even if they come from my career as a professional athlete. And there's moments where I also doubt myself, just like anybody, mm. you know, oh, Faith, you're, you know, you're good at being outdoors and guiding people, but how are you ever going to learn bookkeeping, you know? And I seriously take a deep breath and use the same techniques that I use on a high
3: Absolutely.
0: Line. I say one step at a time.
2: Yeah. Well, you're Instead you're you're gonna call and count it. I mean,
3: that's <laughs> that's what you're eventually. Do with that. eventually, yeah.
0: eventually, you're right.
3: <laughs> All right. Well, there's so much to talk about. Let's try to. And I've got us off track, I think, you because did. I'm just so fascinated and, and a bit giddy to to be in this conversation with you. Let me pull it back a little bit. Okay. A couple questions that we'd like to ask uh, to peel the the layers back as we start to get into your story. Tell us your favorite childhood memory. What comes to mind? when that question comes up for you.
0: Favorite childhood memory. Um, I recall the last time we uh, recorded this podcast that was tragically lost Eww. into the ether. Yes. Um, I spoke yes, about was. climbing a tree you to did. the top of a tree, I think, right? I did,
3: yes. I've got the notes um, right here.
0: Yeah. You know, I think that's, that's still one of my favorites. I have a lot of Favorite childhood memories, but you I talked think,
3: about the flow of that. Like I remember that word yeah. coming up when you talked about that story.
0: What comes to mind now is is kind of this mush of all memories that are similar to that. Hmm. Just this feeling of climbing up in a tree or doing something exhilarating um, that kind of pushed my limits a little bit. Hmm. Um, so there was, you know, other trees in my childhood where we built forts in them. So we went up there, dragged up plywood and nails and hammers. I don't even know where we got that stuff. I don't even think my mom knew that we had it. (laughs) Um, But I just I really remember that feeling of just kind of taking charge of my own life and making a decision and also taking a little bit of a risk, like going to this place that was unknown. Mm. So in the memory I shared with you last time, it was climbing this really tall tree. I think it was an oak tree and just getting as high as I possibly could in those branches and feeling like I was swaying with the branches as mm. the wind blew and yeah. feeling simultaneously very small and vulnerable, but also very powerful, yeah. like, oh, I chose to get up here.
3: And there's some foreshadowing in that, right? Absolutely. Like, Because you still experience many of those same things. And, totally. And what what fueled your identity in a lot of ways, what you loved about that childhood memory you still experience that in a very different way today uh, on on those lines.
0: Definitely. I think a yeah. lot of um, that attraction to highlining for me was like taking charge of my own life, doing a thing that's not necessarily easy or comfortable, but fully deciding I was going to do it anyway.
3: Wow. Another life application. Taking charge of your own life. <laughs> Tell us about, like, uh, if you think about – what, your defining moment before 35. I have an idea because I've heard you share this story several different places, but would you unpack that with us a little bit that before one of the probably several moments you had that were defining prior to this next year of your life? What, what is the defining
2: moment five? that led you to, to be where you are today? Well, if you, if you're going to boil it down to one moment and say, this is it, this is when I decided to move from slacklining to highlining.
0: Um, did I did, last time? Did I talk about the car accident? You did. Okay, good. Just making sure
2: yeah.
3: it'll yeah.
0: completely change my story, but you, I don't think have, that's you can I'm,
3: completely change it. We do it every day. I,
0: I can, but that, that is a defining moment. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I went from, I think I assuming it's the same car crash. Cause I flipped over two cars. Um, oh, wow. Don't tell anybody. Um, but, uh, another,
3: another <laughs> skill in the, in the faith Dicky quiver,
0: I'm very good at surviving, uh, rollovers. Um, <laughs> I mean, in fact, um, Yeah. So the first car flip was a situation where I was working five plus jobs trying to save money to go to school in New York City. Um, I'd wanted to be a fashion designer Mm. since I was eight years old. That was my passion at the time. And I come from a single parent home and I don't really have any family with wealth that could be passed on to me. So I was really on my own as far as tuition went. And I was working really hard. I took a year off between high school and college so I could save money and you know i was 19 i was simultaneously working five different jobs at restaurants and pubs and i was a paintball referee and a nanny oh, wow. and uh i fell asleep driving my car on the way home from work one night mm-hmm. so wow. just you know sleeping four hours a night for such a long time kind of stacked up and i really just fully passed out while i was like exiting off the highway and i mean as the saying goes like most car accidents happen close to home and i was probably a quarter of a mile from my house at the time. Gosh. So I woke up to my car flipping over and I was in a Jeep Cherokee and it was sliding on its roof. And, you know, I just sort of was like, what's happening. And my car stopped moving and it was upside down. And so I crawled out of the car and had kind of a wild experience. This person came out of the darkness and I don't know what they were doing. Maybe they were on a walk, but they'd seen the car accident. So they came to like stand with me and Mm -hmm. hang out with me until, Um, an ambulance came and, and I turned out to be totally fine. Long story short, I was totally unscathed from that car accident. It was, it was wild, but I totaled my car and it was a huge wake up call for me. Like, why am I working myself into the ground only to go to university and take on like $150,000 of debt at 19 years old? Mm. Like it just made me reassess all the choices I was making and it was, it was a hard thing to do. It was hard to have this path that I was so determined and driven on and then all of a sudden be like, maybe that. And so I quit half of those jobs. I, I stopped going to a bunch of jobs and had time for myself to kind of reflect and think about what I wanted to do with my life. And I was spending time in this park in Austin called Zilker. Um, it's a beautiful park with huge pecan trees and this spring-fed pool that you can swim in. And I saw a slackline between two big trees there. Mm. And that was, you know, beginning of the end, I guess, because seeing that slackline, I wasn't particularly attracted to it. I didn't think of it as anything special, but that was a pivotal moment for me. And so that car crash and the reassessment that occurred after that, And then finding slacklining totally changed the course of my life, 180 degrees.
3: It helped you come alive.
0: 100%. You know, I think we often get trapped in these patterns that are really based on what we think we should be doing, you know? And I did have dreams and aspirations, and those were totally important. But, I mean, how many 19-year-olds really know what they want to do and who they want to be? And sometimes we completely ignore any type of self-exploration just so we can adhere to the path. Mm. And so I feel like I needed, personally, and I don't recommend this, but I needed a car crash to sure. wake me up from that.
3: <laughs> wow. Yeah, well, it reminds me in some way of this quote from your short film that, that just released uh, this week where you said, it's funny that we have to work so hard to find what is already inside of us. And I feel like I don't, I'm not sure you can get that at 19. It ha, something has to happen or whether it's age or a car crash or whatever it is for you, for us to start to realize, wow, like there's this whole other side, like what makes me come alive? And that's what you, maybe we're not asking yourself before that car crash, but then it kind of hit you maybe cause you were more open to it post crash, right? Like say the quote again. It, you said it's funny that we have to work so hard to find what is already inside of us.
2: Why do you find that funny?
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, funny. I suppose I mean funny, ironic, yeah. interesting, odd,
1: uh, yeah. unusual,
0: yeah. but funny, too, in the way that like, we're all carrying around these parts of ourselves all the time.
2: Yeah.
0: Somehow we just completely ignore them. We don't even pay attention
2: to them. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Because we're so focused on the path.
0: Totally. That other people tell us
2: that we have to take.
0: Exactly. 100%. And, you know, especially young people, it's like you come out of this pipeline of school where you've basically been trained to adhere to this system that everybody follows. And for some people, that system's great and it works really well, but it doesn't fit to everyone. Yeah. And if we never take any time to just be with ourselves... How can we really know what we want to do?
2: And we built an entire system today where you can't ever be by yourself.
0: 100%. Got a computer in your pocket.
3: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. In fact, and so what we end up doing is we have these things that are different for all of us that we call escapes. And again, another quote that I loved in the short film, you said, the escape is no longer an escape, but a life path. Like it sets us on this trajectory maybe in a completely different way, direction than we were going before, that's what happened for you the day, whether it's the car crash or the the slack line when you saw it or one led to the other, or maybe it found you and you didn't find it. I don't know, but that was... Oh, no, she found it. Yeah. (laughs) I I think she found it. Faith, one of the ways that we honor our guests is that we ask them for their definition of a GOAT the greatest of all time, would love to hear you share your definition and then share uh, uh, your own goat, whether that's a person, place, thing. We've had all kinds of different goats on the show, but would you, uh, would you do that for us? Give us your definition and share a goat, please.
0: A goat for me, um, since we're talking about humans, is someone who really explores and uses all of their humanness who leaves no part of their humanness ignored. Mm. We are amazing beings and we are capable of so much. And we've been blessed with this incredible thing. That's consciousness. Right. And yet it can feel sometimes to me like people become a bit robotic in their lives. They just kind of follow the path that we just talked about. Right. Mm. They don't question things. They don't look inside of themselves. They don't explore their humanness. And so I think a goat is someone who truly, truly explores their humanness.
2: Mm. Well said. One in 400 trillion. That's the odds of being born into this world. One wow. in 400 trillion.
0: How do they even calculate that?
2: That's what uh, the, Everything that's truthful is on the internet. So that has to be true.
3: <laughs> <laughs> that's right.
2: <laughs> that's what I found. That's what I go with when I speak to into, into audiences. And so the takeaway is exactly what you're talking about. The, the takeaway is, number one, Uh, to be born is amazing. And then number two, the greatest second greatest day is to find out why. And you do, and you do it through your humanness is what you're saying.
0: And, and I want to be clear that like, uh, we're all born into so many different levels of privilege. Right. And to be able to explore your humanness, has a lot to do with the privilege to do so, right? There's some people who are just surviving <laughs> that's, every day. That's,
2: probably, that's one yeah. of the most eloquent. I'm laughing because I'm a middle child and uh, I got all my brother's <laughs> hand-me-downs and I'm still upset about that. So I had a long, <laughs> long path to exploring
3: my own humanness, as you say. That's beautiful. And that humanness is really what connects us too, which I think is woven into the in, most inner parts of all of us, right? The, that desire to be connected to one another outside of, a computer in your pocket, as you put it, or whatever else it may be.
0: So yeah. And, and I sometimes think that like, you know, this kind of virtual world that we spend so much time in it's created by humans and there's some humanness to it, but it doesn't really feel like our true humanness Yeah. to me. Our humanness has so much to do with our physical body and and exploring mm. its limits and our, in our minds limits and, and all the emotions that are tied to being a human and yeah. and what consciousness is.
3: Mm. Well, there's going to be more to come on that. Do you have a goat that you want to share that maybe helps you connect with that definition or, or I, not at all? What I think,
0: you know, my goat has been kind of the same person for a long time and, and talking about a goat on this podcast has made me realize like oh I should I should get some more goats in my life um I love that I, yeah yeah totally that should um, be our, our, our tagline
2: get more goats, get in, your more life. goats in your life <laughs> <laughs> I love it
0: um my goat has has historically been um a woman named Lynn Hill yes um she climber. is a professional rock climber yeah. yep and when I started um slacklining and highlining I wasn't a climber in the beginning so I didn't know a ton about Climbing world, But she was one of the first climbers I learned about because <coughs> she climbed um, the nose of El Capitan, which is this massive uh, rock face yeah. in Yosemite Valley, and she free climbed it, meaning she just used her body to climb it. She had ropes. She was safe. But free climbing is where you're not pulling on equipment to mm. get up the wall. And that was a feat that no Jeez. one had ever done before. She wow. was the first person to ever do it. And part of why it's so pivotal in the sport of climbing is that A, she was a woman and she did it before anyone else. And she's also like five foot one or something. Oh, she's wow. tiny. She's tiny. And and climbing has often been kind of a, a sport that lends itself to taller people. Yeah. So additionally, she she said, I think her quote was, it goes, boys. <laughs> and i mean like, <laughs> like a there, mic it, drop,
2: there it is mic drop she's <laughs> not
0: your goat yeah she's not your goat just uh, for that quote it's like there you go uh, she's she's such a badass
2: i love
1: it so
0: yeah she's she's still my goat and she's still climbing super hard i think she's in her 50s now and she's just incredible and she seemed to really become a professional climber but stay authentic and true to herself
3: Ooh, that's good we got so much more to talk about. I wore this shirt for you, by the way. It, wow. says, dare, it says Dare Mighty <laughs> dare Things. Mighty things.
2: <laughs> I like
3: it. You know, I, I don't know that this started this way, but I've become known to wear like shirts that, that try to connect or match our guests or conversations. And this one certainly fits you. This is what I think about when I think of you, Dare Mighty Things. Well, so, I'm, I'm honored. We've got so many more cool I, I think, things to talk about.
2: I think, is this our 100th episode? Have we already had it? I don't even know.
3: It hits Monday. It does. Yeah.
2: You know, I think whatever episode this is, what you just said about humanness and being a goat and it goes boys and (laughs) having more goats in your life, I think that encapsulates everything that we're trying to accomplish Mm -hmm. here. And, uh, what a great way to frame it up. Uh, I am, John. I'm going to go back and listen to this one. This was a good one. I'm glad. (laughs) (laughs) I know you'd be happy about that. For John Byers, and for Faith Dickey, and for AJ on the board, I'm Colby Jubinville, and this is the Go Consulting Podcast. Um.